This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey guys, Jeremy here with Simple Little Life, and welcome to the very first episode of the Simple Little Life podcast. A couple weeks ago, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives, also one of the hosts of the Knife Talk podcast, he emailed me and he said, have you ever considered doing a podcast? I went on to tell him that about four years ago, I wanted to start a knife-specific podcast. And then he emailed me and said, hey, I've got a knife podcast and I'd like to interview you. And I thought, oh, sweet. And then I also thought, oh, the knife podcast, it's, it's already being done. They do a fantastic job of it, and when Craig had asked me if I want a podcast, I was—I wanted to. It's something I've wanted to do for a long time. In fact, this first episode of the Simple Little Life podcast, I recorded one about eight months ago. Uh, that was just me wandering around in my garage with my earphones in, and I was recording to the voice app on my phone, and I thought, where do I go from here? What does this look like? And I posed that same question to Craig. And, you know, he actually gave me some very interesting insight, and I thought a lot about it. He said, you know, when it comes to the things that you share on YouTube, you know, there's knife-making stuff, but there's other things as well. Uh, Some of the photography tips he had said that I've shared on my YouTube channel, uh, they've helped him a lot. And so he was thinking maybe more of a conglomeration of different topics, and I really like that idea. Now, with this whole pandemic that we're all in right now, I've discovered a new appreciation for podcasts. It was a couple Saturdays ago, I had a whole bunch of running around to do. Uh, Home Depot, all these different stores, and I knew it was going to be bad. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to take my watch and I'm going to set a timer and, and time how long I'm in line. And in one single day, I spent three hours and 47 minutes in lineups. That is a lot of time. But thankfully, I had a set of AirPods in and podcasts to listen to. Previously, before listening to the Knife Talk podcast, the only real podcast I ever listened to was The Art of Manliness. I just didn't have anything else in my player. Now, recently, with all this extra time that we have, and even just kind of me discovering the whole genre and diving into it, I'm always looking for new and interesting content. You know, same thing with YouTube. There's a lot of YouTube channels that are maker channels. Some of them I watch and they they really resonate with me or you're really, you know, taken by the way the person does things or the personality. And there's some channels that are very, very similar as far as their content, but for some reason, it's just not your jam. And to that end, I really appreciate a lot of variety. And so that's what I want to bring, just another podcast that you might be interested in listening in. As far as content, we're going to cover things from knife making, um, questions and answers, as well as other stuff like general making. Uh, for instance, right now I'm welding up a, a welding cart for a new TIG welder that I got. Uh, we can talk through some of that stuff as I, I learn how to TIG weld, uh, some of the challenges that I'm finding, share some of the successes, knife making stuff. And I even had an idea, and this might be a little bit crazy, but I was wondering if we would talk through an entire build. Like when I release videos on my YouTube channel, uh, the ones that do really well are just full build videos, kind of like a fast forward pace. 
and there's not a lot of fluff involved. Those seem to get the most views, but then there's also a lot of detail that's left out of them. I thought it might be kind of interesting to take one of those videos and walk through the whole thing. Essentially, I would sit at my computer, watch a little snippet of it, and then kind of talk in detail to the whole process. So essentially podcast a knife build. I think that might be kind of interesting, not, not necessarily what I want to build an entire channel around, um, but just different ideas. So for this podcast, I'm really excited to to have it loose right now. I don't exactly know what shape this is going to take. Ultimately, I think it's a little easier if you have multiple people involved. Uh, right now, I don't have that. Uh, I'm not saying that if I if I found the right person, we could get like another host on here. I would be really excited about that. I would like to do some interviews and talk to different experts in different fields, just working on setting up the technology for that. And what I did think we could do with this first episode is just kind of do a little bit of an introduction for those of you that don't know, and then also answer a question that I get asked a lot. And that is, what on earth does the title of my YouTube channel have to do with the content? So my YouTube channel is Simple Little Life. And that's a great question because it really doesn't make any sense. Unless you kind of have a little bit of the backstory and some of the history. So I started out making things as a really young child. Uh, my dad was a millwright uh, by trade. He's also a third class steam engineer, I think. He had one other ticket. And he was actually a millwright instructor at SAIT, which is a local uh, trade trade school here. And as a kid, I would always go to my dad's garage and build stuff. I remember when kids had these scooters, little two-wheeled scooters, and they were the first ones were coming out. Uh, I didn't have one, and I tried to make one with two-by-fours. And I got wheels on it, and I got it to go down the street, but I couldn't turn it. And it was funny because all the kids in the neighborhood thought it was the dumbest thing, and I had a little copper pipe nailed on to the top of this two-by-four for the handle. And I remember I was feeling pretty bad. Like I went and took it for a little rip down my sidewalk. Some kids saw it made fun of it. And then I was coming home, and one of my friend's moms came out and said, wow, that is really cool. Did you make that? And obviously, I mean, she's trying to be supportive, but I remember that feeling of pride in in something that I had made, even though it sucked. It was truly a piece of garbage. But she thought it was neat that I actually did that. And that was probably the first taste that I had of the satisfaction from doing something for yourself. And from there, as a child, I continued to make things, ruin my dad's tools. I don't know how many of his, like, corded drills I left outside in the rain. Um, and, you know, my dad was very supportive. He always said, try to look after my tools but as long as you're making something, you can use them. So I had full access to my dad's shop and wrecked a lot of his tools. And that carried on into my work life. I went at 21 years old. I became a journeyman millwright, which is essentially like a heavy duty mechanic. But they work on stationary equipment. And then I worked at a company called GNS Airport Conveyor, manufacturing airport baggage systems. And I did that for 17 years. I worked for them and I traveled all over the U.S. I probably spent about six years of my life working in the United States, everywhere from California, Montana, basically I've almost worked in every single state. And after that, uh, I was done traveling when my wife and I were going to start a little family and I said, I can't travel anymore. So they moved me into the office and they made me a senior project manager. And I hated that job. I did it for seven years and I hated it. You know, I'd come into the office in the morning and there'd be a stack of papers, drawings. And when I left at the end of the day, even though I was busy doing stuff all day long, I would turn around, look at my desk, shut the lights off, and I would see a stack of paper, some drawings, and it didn't feel like I was actually doing anything. Now, of course, you know, that is valuable work. That is work that needs to be done. And there's some people that are satisfied with that. 
But that wasn't me. I'm the kind of guy that I need to have my hands dirty. I need to be making something. And that something could take any form, but I'm a a hands-on kind of a person. So anyways, I went and uh, from there, uh, working in the office, I did photography for two and a half years. And then after that, I kind of, it was difficult to pay the bills. I was offered a job in Toronto because I really like shooting fashion. That's kind of another story for another time. But I didn't want to move to Toronto and I thought, well, I'm going to go back onto the tools. So I took my Millwright ticket. I went job hunting, went to the first interview I could find, which was actually really easy to find at the time. And I got the job. I worked there for about a year and a half. And then I went on to another company called Sangel. And at the time, they were Canada's largest privately owned oil company. Now, up until this point, I had never worked in the oil and gas industry. And with oil and gas, there are ups and downs, but I'd never been through it. When I started, things were on the up and up. It was the greatest job I've ever had, and I don't know if I could ever find a job like that. The, the money was great. The benefits were spectacular. We had heated underground parking. We had, like, gym, like a, a nice gym with towel service. And we all thought this was just the most incredible place to work. But we also kind of realized that we're just riding a wave right now. As long as the oil prices are high, things will be good. As soon as they start going down, well, everything's going to change. And everything did change. I remember at our peak, we were about 180 guys. I made it through five rounds of layoffs. And when I got laid off, there's 15 people left. And it was interesting because I was riding into work with my brother-in-law. We carpooled together. We worked at the same place. And I remember telling him that morning, I said, Taylor, I said, I'm not going to work here next week. He's like, what are you talking about? And I said, either I'm going to get laid off today, and it was a Wednesday, and they did layoffs on Wednesdays because apparently you're less likely to kill yourself after being laid off on a Wednesday than any other day of the week. Yeah, weird, weird knowledge to know, but that's why they laid off on Wednesdays. I said, I'll get laid off today or else Friday I'm giving my notice because I couldn't take it anymore. You know, you're working. There's seven of you guys on a rig. We built like horsepower units, big frack units, and I know the environmental people don't like hearing that, but there would be seven of us working on this machine At the end of the day, it was just me and one other guy, and sometimes it was just me. And it was just so much to take. And the thing that I didn't like about it, the thing that I couldn't stand, was that my livelihood was in somebody else's hands. And that's when I got the concept of a simple little life. The idea of doing things for myself and taking more onus, more control of my situation... It really, really bothered me. And I think it was probably out of fear and some anger that I thought, you know what? I'm not working for anybody anymore. I'm working for myself from now on. It was around that time that we had bought some land. It was actually four months before I got laid off. We bought 13 acres of land. And the idea was just to get the land and then maybe in five to 10 years, we could build a house. Being laid off, I thought, well, what am I going to do now? So we sold our house that we lived in. It actually sold very quickly. And that was right before the real estate market tanked around here. And uh, we moved out to a fifth wheel trailer. The idea being that we were going to live in our fifth wheel for a summer while I build our house. <laughs> One summer turned into two and a half years. And we have four children and we homeschool. And we literally lived in a fifth wheel in Canada for two and a half years. <laughs> it was incredible. You know, looking back at that time... I really am glad that we went through it, but if I had known going into that fifth wheel that we were going to be in there for two and a half years, I would have said, not a chance, no way. I was expecting like six months at the most, just enough time for me to get a house built. (sighs) It's interesting how life throws these curveballs at you and maybe something that you wouldn't have agreed to. You look back sometimes and like, that was actually, that was actually a good experience. I'm glad we went through that as a family. 
So the idea with the simple little life also was an embodiment of this land. We built a chicken coop out here. We built corrals. We had animals, and we were going to try to be as self-sufficient as possible. We had chickens, pigs, goats, sheep, horses, cows, ducks, geese, turkeys. I mean, we had every little animal, rabbits, meat rabbits even. Every little animal that you could put onto a hobby farm, we had those at one time. And sometimes we had many of them at once. And I was trying to see if we could live self-sufficiently. Now, that experiment kind of ended with the conclusion that I came to is that if I want to live anything that resembles a modern day life, you know, have a cell phone, have an internet connection, get Starbucks and enjoy really nice coffees. It was very difficult for us to do that and then still just be one guy living out here on the homestead working for myself within this realm of producing food. I needed to do something for income. And that's where the knife making kind of came in. I was a hobby maker before, always been a knife enthusiast, and I got into knife making as a product of already having a lot of knives and not being able to justify buying more. You know, when you've got four kids that play hockey, you know, my daughter's in dance and music lessons, and it's like, hey, I want to go spend a whole bunch more money on knives this year. Just, it it doesn't really work out. And especially the fact that I already had a lot of knives. I have more knives at that point than I would ever use in my lifetime. But I still wanted knives. I still had that itch. And there's so many shapes and profiles. And you know what it's like. You know what it's like if you're a knife guy. And I thought, I wonder how hard it is to make your own knife. So I jumped onto the old YouTubes and I started looking up knife making videos. And I found Trollski's channel. And I watched a couple of his videos and I thought, you know what? I could do this. I could make a knife. I've got tools. I've got stuff. And I started doing it as a hobby. And then eventually kind of sold a couple knives here and there to guys at work. And then when I got laid off, I thought, well, what if I took this knife stuff a little bit more seriously? There was really no other jobs around at the time. So I started putting some knives up on Facebook and they started selling. And I thought, wow, this is kind of crazy. All the while in the background, I was, I was doing some YouTube videos about our little homestead lifestyle. And one day I thought, you know what? While I make this knife, I'm going to do a video about making knives. And that video got more traction than any other video on my channel had ever done before. Ah, maybe there's something to this. Maybe I should do some knife making videos. And so that's basically kind of a story of how the simple little life is mostly a knife making channel. Now, I'm trying to diversify the content a bit because I'm going to be honest with you. To, to tell you the truth, I start to get bored of making knife videos, knife making videos. You know, ultimately, I'm pretty much doing the same thing to a different shape, different color, maybe a different steel, but there's nothing really new there. And when you also make knives for a living, sometimes you don't want to, you know, make knives in, in the shop all day long and then go and edit a video about making knives. Anytime I have a new process or I try something new, I get really excited about those videos. Like the, the one where I did the, the texturing with the needle scaler. I was like, wow, that's really cool. I want to share this. And that stuff still comes up. But to just do full-on knife builds, it takes a lot of discipline. And the other thing with that is that those ones do get a lot of views on my YouTube channel. So I'm still going to make those, but I'm also trying to diversify the YouTube channel. And then I think this podcast is going to play into that nicely. I would like to structure every episode with a main topic or a theme. It might be very broad. It might be fairly specific. Go through that. Obviously take any input and questions that you guys might have. We can, we can build some stuff around there. 
And then I'd like to finish every episode with a recommendation. And this could be a YouTube video, could be an Instagram account, maybe a web page that I've learned some information from, an entire YouTube channel that I enjoy. And I know a lot of podcasts do this, and I really enjoy this part. Most all the podcasts I listen to have some type of a recommendation at the end of it. And man, I get a lot of great tips from there. So that's going to be part of every episode as well. So this week, what I'm going to recommend is a YouTube channel called Andrew Camerata. Um, he's a guy, he owns like a landscaping business and he's building this shipping container shop slash house slash castle it's it's crazy it, it sounds really nuts but it's actually really cool I think the main thing I really like about his channel is the way he approaches his projects like like everything's like okay let's get to work and he's just kind of like a head down bum up no nonsense kind of a guy most all of his videos are just shot with a GoPro uh, they're quite long videos but when I watch the way that he approaches his projects as well as the repairs that he does. Like he's got an entire fleet of equipment. He's got multiple backhoes and bobcats and a dump truck and you name it. He's got all this equipment and he looks after it all himself. And sometimes when you see him diving into a repair or a modification, you, you kind of wonder like, oh my word, what, where's this going to go? I don't think he's doing it right. But he just does it. And I found for myself, you know, I work on my own vehicles. Um, I've never taken a car to a mechanic before, but I'm very, very timid before I start. I make sure I do tons of research. I watch all kinds of videos. And I, I even when I do start, I'm like, oh boy, here we go. And I'm always terrified that I'm going to like wreck something, strip off a bolt or, you know, undo something and not know how to get it back. But when I watch his videos, when I watch Andrew work, I get this sense that he's just like, hey man, let's just go. And he just does it. And he figures it out as he goes. And so I've really taken a lot of inspiration from that lately. Uh, I've had a few car repairs. I've basically redone the front end of my car recently. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it like he does it because I'm very um, impressed with his lack of uh, holding back. He's just like, this has to be done. I'm sure I can figure it out. Go. So anyways, Andrew, uh, Andrew Camerata. I'll put a link in the show notes to this. You might enjoy that. Again, a lot of his videos are very, very long. He doesn't do an awful lot of talking, uh, but I have found that to be very entertaining and informative channel. Probably more entertainment from my side than, than information because he doesn't necessarily walk through the specifics of how he's doing stuff. He just kind of takes you along for the ride. Anyways, I want to thank you so much for listening uh, to this point. Uh, look forward to your input, your suggestions, and for cranking out some more episodes. We're going to try and do a weekly show here as part of the Makery Podcast Network. Um, huge thank you to Craig uh, for allowing me to be a part of this and check out all the other shows in this network. I'm really excited for, for all these podcasts to be coming out. There's a bunch of new ones, and uh, it's just a lot of fun. Great community to be involved in, and uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Cheers. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network.